Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a Victory Monday. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Your Bulldogs are 2-0. and I'm going to break down the game, talk about things that went right, things that went wrong. Because here's the deal, is even though we won a big game, and it is a big game, many people were suggesting that NC State was the number two team in the ACC's Atlantic Division behind only Clemson. They even got a first-place vote to win the division this year. And many people were predicting Mississippi State to lose that ball game to NC State. We won. We won the game. I expected to win the game. I thought it would be a close game. The margin ended up being a little bit better than I expected. I thought the defense played – better than expected as well. So we're going to break that down. It's exciting, to say the least. Also of note, the uh, the proofs for the book dog pile on their way to the printer. That'll be back, uh, you know, early to mid-November, I guess. Maybe before then. We hope. We hope. We were shooting for early or late October, and it uh, looks like it'll be early November at the, beg- at the, at the earliest. But uh, if you're looking to pre-order books, and I suggest that you do, Go to dogpiledthebook.com today, and you can pre-order. There's a notes section if you need it personalized to someone as a gift or anything like that. You can put that, those notes in there, and I'm happy to take care of that. If you message me, I can't guarantee you that because I, you know, those notes go to the publisher, and then there's like a signing slip. Like for every one of your books, there's like your, your signing slip and uh, your shipping information and then any notes. And so if you message me, I can't guarantee you that I'm going to remember all that. And so put it in the notes section when you pre-order. Again, that's dogpilethebook.com. While you're there, you get copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. All those go to the same place. Same people handle that. Of course, Blooms of Oleander available through your local bookstore or through Amazon.com. Not available on that website. Many people have ordered Dogpile and said, Hey, Steve, I didn't see Blooms of Oleander. First of all, thanks for your interest in that book, but it's through a different publisher, so you'll have to order that through Amazon.com or through your local bookstore. They'll know how to handle it. They can find it, Blooms of Oleander by Steve Robertson. But I'm excited about Dogpile. Excited for you guys to have it. Worked really hard on it. There's a lot of legalities and red tape and all that sort of stuff you got to go through when you write a book. All that has now been cleared. You know, and that's the thing, too. It's, so, it's a lot of fun to start a book. It's fun to outline a book. It's fun to do interviews. It's fun to write a book. It's not a lot of fun to finish a book. I share that with people all the time. People think they know. It's, oh, you know, it's, it's so great and so fun. It is, but there's a lot of things at the end that aren't really fun. They're just kind of business, and you got to kind of navigate through all that stuff as well. And so it's very complicated at times. There are a lot of people involved that don't have the same passion for the work that you do. And so you got to understand they just have a job to do. They don't feel quite as uh, maybe impassioned about the topic matter you know i'm ready to get this thing done so we can you know have a nice keepsake to keep forever it's been one of the greatest joys of my life not just to cover this team but to write this book and so we're getting this out to you as quick as we can it will be out for the holidays you'll be able to give it as gifts many of you may get it more than once that's happened before too 
Excited to recap the weekend. Excited to recap the game. Also, a living legend in today's Portico, Mississippi State hero spot. We'll talk about about that. And uh, excited to go to Memphis this weekend. Looking forward to getting up there to hopefully see your Bulldogs go 3-0. and A couple things I want to say before we kind of get into the show. Real quickly, you know, the, uh, the social media commentary is interesting. You know, there were many people that were so invested and said, hey, we're going to lose to NC State. Almost to the point that I almost got the sense they're wishing that we could lose to NC State so they could come back and say, see, I told you so. Well, we didn't lose. And so now we have to denigrate the opponent. Well, they're, they're, they're really not that good. Well, you just said last week you were going to beat us, right? And so, you know, I, I say that, let's say, let's just take a deep breath, okay? The expectations for the 2020 Mississippi State football team are not robust. There's nobody out there that has paid any attention that thinks this team is going to challenge for the SEC West. People forget, you know, we won, what, four games last year. Now we've won four games in a row. And of those four wins, we beat four, four bowl teams, right? In Missouri, right? They were a winning team when they came here. We beat them, scored 52 points against them. Then we go and win a bowl game. A lot of people thought we were going to lose that game too, but we didn't. Then we open up and beat Louisiana Tech. We even had some people expecting us to lose that ball game, despite the fact that we were 24-point favorites. But I would say the overwhelming majority of people expected us to win that game. Memphis, I mean, Louisiana Tech's been in seven straight ball games. It's not like they're an also-ran. Yeah, they're a Conference USA team, and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think we should ever lose to a Conference USA or a Sunbelt team or anything like that. And then we beat NC State, a team that has been to bowl game six of the last seven years. They had kind of an aberration in 2019, had a lot of injuries. But NC State's a lot like us in many respects. They're a solid bowl team each and every year. A lot of people over there wonder if they're ready to take the next step, wonder if Dave Doring can do it. But we've won four in a row, and we're off to 2 and 0 start, despite the fact that a lot of people expected us to lose last week. And that's the one, too. Let's just take a deep breath here. If we had lost either of those first two games, we would be really chasing bowl eligibility. But when you start looking at it and start counting wins now, and you say, okay, listen, I ought to be able to get this one. I ought to be able to get that one. You got a really good chance, you know, win seven, possibly eight games this year. And so let's try and enjoy the season. And listen, there are going to be people in Facebook groups and on Twitter. As soon as we lose one, they're going to say, yeah, I told you so. Well, I'm telling you now, we're going to lose some ball games this year. There's no special skill in making that proclamation. We all kind of know that's going to happen. Again, this is a team that we expect to be – a winning team and go to a minor ball game somewhere and then kind of stair-step it into 2022. I expect State to be a really good team next year. You know, with the nucleus on offense being juniors, I think we have a chance to be really good next year. So this year, last year was like kind of like getting your feet wet. This year is kind of learning how to navigate and play a, a full season. You know, guys like Will Rogers, they never played this many snaps that they're going to play this year. You know, be a 13-game season. You're going to play a ton of reps. So they had to really commit themselves in the weight room. And so, again, yeah, we're going to lose some games this year. I don't think it's going to happen this week, but we're going to lose some games. You know, we start 3-0, and LSU starts 3-0. and that, That'll be a, a really nice atmosphere. And, and while I'm talking about that, you know, I was a little disappointed in the crowd on Saturday. It was better than it was the week before. But, you know, there are some people that are reluctant to come, and I don't really know why. 
I know there were some issues on game day in week one. Some of those persisted in game two. Others were, were alleviated. And so the game day experience is kind of a work in progress. You know, it, it is. And one of the things that I, I people messaged me saying, Steve, it did make a difference that I had my tickets ready to go. And, and one person in particular posted on the Gene's page message board, or maybe it was Facebook, and said so when they got to the gate to get ready to go in, there was a person in front of them that had like four people with them and didn't have their tickets ready, and it took about five minutes. They had to go through and find it, and all of a sudden you get flustered. Next thing you know, you're causing a delay. But by and large, I was told that was better on Saturday. So good on you guys for doing that again. It's cashless transactions, and yes, there are some stations set up where you can convert your cash to a prepaid debit card. It's probably smart to take care of that ahead of time. But it is a cashless transaction at the concession stand, and there's limited workers. You know, it's not like it was years ago when it seemed like everybody was willing to go work the concession stand. We've had volunteers from the athletic department uh, working the concession stand just to kind of help, you know, alleviate some of the lines and try to move things along. But, again, it's all a work in progress. But, again, thanks for doing your part, and let's remember to kind of do that moving forward. Get your tickets pulled up before you enter the security gates. Have all that ready to go, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. There's no point in you having to kind of struggle through the anxiety of knowing that there's, you know, hundreds of people behind you or dozens of people behind you waiting to get in. Maybe they have to use the restroom. Maybe they don't know where their tickets are. Maybe they have to try to find their seats and you're kind of holding things up. You know, I hate being that person. You know what I'm saying? Like when you go through the drive-thru or whatever and you don't have your stuff together, you can't find your debit card. I, I hate impeding the progress of others. So I know you probably share that same belief. And so good on you for, for making the adjustment. And again, remember, always just kind of have that up and ready to go. So you don't have to deal with that at the point of entry. I think our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company had uh, had some great food from there last week. You will t- If you ate there last week, you had some great food from Bulldog Burger Company too. Really like the place. The, the service is great. The people are great. I, I, was in, I guess I've been in there twice in the last two weeks. The, one of the main things I love about it is the variety. You know, like some days the kid says, hey, let's get Bulldog Burger Company. And I may not be feeling a hamburger that day. Then I can have the sweet heat chicken sandwich, or I can have that BLT salad, which is probably my favorite. And you can get that in fried or grilled. And some days I feel like a grilled sandwich. Some days I don't. But that's a great thing about the menu is there are a lot of options there. I encourage you to find your own favorites. My favorite is the Pimentology Add Bacon. I think that'll, uh, that'll put some hair on your chest. It'll, it'll certainly fill your belly for sure. The portions there are outstanding. I don't think I've ever completed a full meal from bulldog burger company have the spring rolls as an appetizer the best appetizer in the golden triangle without question now taking over central mississippi now three three great locations to serve you university drive here in stark vegas gloucester street there in tupelo that is a great building too if you hadn't been by there and then the baby the brand new one right there on lake harbor drive in ridgeland go check them out today bulldog burger company the place where people go to meet m-e-a-t all right, let's take a look about this ball game. You know, the Bulldogs uh, beat a Power 5 opponent over the weekend, NC State. I, I've been expecting to win that ball game per, pretty much since it was announced because I, I think you know, it's, it's a toss-up deal, but we're at home. And uh, that, I think that really proved to be the difference. But uh, let's take some time, kind of work through the game here. We get off to the great start, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Mike Leach takes the ball. Again, we win the toss, we take the ball. It's two weeks in a row we've done that. And it proved to be exactly what we needed. Tulu Griffin, 100 yards. And, you know, again, this is three games now where Tulu has been the starter 
a kick returner. Three in a row. And uh, he changes the game and wins the MVP of the Armed Forces Bowl. He nearly breaks one for a touchdown last week against Louisiana Tech. Then they, they finally do it this week. You know, it, at what point do teams start thinking, you know what, I'll just kick it out of bounds or I'll sky kick it. You know, the people are going to adjust because Tulu has become a weapon. He has really become a weapon here. Uh, we, we did some discussion, me and a couple of guys, a couple of friends over the weekend, trying to remember the last time, you know, State had a kickoff to open a game. And the last one that I remember, you know, was uh, Southern Miss when Brandon Holloway had it. I think that's correct. But um, I remember also Ashton Shumpert fumbled too. I mean, it seemed like, you know, it, it just doesn't happen very often for us. That's kind of the point. You know, it's just, you know, Leon Barry, I guess, has had, had one or two, and Chad Bumpus had one or two. You know, we just – it's pretty rare that you have a kickoff return for a touchdown to open a ball game. But, you know, we've had some that have gone the distance, but uh, it's pretty rare to have it on the first play. But uh, it was a great start for the Bulldogs, and it was one of the only highlights offensively the first quarter. And that's the thing you look at, too, is you begin to think, yeah, you won the ball game, but we were really just kind of – you know, not much of a factor offensively in the first quarter. And if things got going after that, but we had some difficulties moving the ball that first quarter. So we jump out to the 7-0 lead. And then, you know, we kick it off. And uh, Brandon Ruiz with a touchback there. Ruiz, of course, did not kick in the second half. We'll try to get an update today from Mike Leach during the press conference. I, I don't guarantee you any, any information, but we will certainly try to find out. Very first play, we're offsides. Cam Young, a little bit aggressive there. And listen, you know, we know we got to get off the ball here, knowing they want to run the football. They go to tonight for nine yards off the left side and the first down. Aaron Brule with a tackle there. Well, then they get a false start. And I'll be honest with you, going back to that offsides, I really thought that could have gone either way. You know, it's like Cam jumps in the neutral zone, and then he's back. And then they throw it late. I really thought they could let that one go. But they even it up here a couple plays later, makes it a first and 15. Nathaniel Watson really, really, really does a good job kind of getting in the backfield there on Devin Leary's face, and then they're incomplete. Then the pressure comes again, and uh, Devin Leary gets gets loose for a short gain there. I guess eight brings up a third and seven, and it's incomplete there to Penix. And – Really thought defensively we played really well there. I mean, it's like they get a first down after we gift them five yards. They open up a drive with a first and five. We do a good job there. We get back on the field. We run Dylan Johnson for two. And then we're complete to Makai Polk for three. Brings up a third and five. Then we're incomplete to Wiley. And here's and this is the play a lot of people are talking about. If we hit Jaden Wiley in stride there, it's probably a touchdown. Will leads him a little bit too much, goes off the hands, couldn't – I'm sure Jaden will tell you he should have made the catch. I don't I don't think he could have. I think he did the best he could. And a lot of that, too, was, you know, Will just kind of settled into the ball game. I, I, I struggle to understand why so many people are negative about Will Rogers. I don't know if you know this, but Will Rogers currently leads the SEC in passing. That's right. Go look it up yourself. More passing yards than any quarterback in the Southeastern Conference right now. He'd be way ahead if he had completed this pass, for sure, because I think Wally would have run for a long time. But we don't convert, and we have to punt. And it was abysmal. They brought a little pressure, and in Tucker Day, Shanks, it ends up being a 20-yard punt out of the 50. So right out of the gate, NC State has taken over. You had a battle for field position. They go right to work. 
It's complete to uh, Amizi for eight. They go back to uh, Thayer Thomas for three for a first down. They go to C.J. Riley for four. Emmanuel Forbes makes a nice play there. Zonovan Knight then goes for three to bring up a third and three. And then they hit a play down the field and on Martin Emerson. It's rare that you're going to see him get beat like that. But it's really a good individual effort there by their top receiver for a first down. And now it's first and goal uh, at our eight. Complete to Thomas for six. Then they go back to Thomas for three. Brings up a third and five. And this is where I thought NC State really, 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 really did something stupid. Is they decide to do the – they line up in the Wildcat and they let Ricky Person try, attempt a jump pass. I don't think he would have scored if he had run the football there. I thought we had it hemmed up pretty good. And he kind of runs into the fray a little bit and then attempts a jump pass. Jalen Green picks it off in the end zone really gave the crowd a little bit of a lift here it's like we were probably expecting at worst to have them score a field goal here you know and then possibly tie the game you know with a touchdown and then they get nothing really kind of ignited things uh for the crowd then the offense gets rolling we're back out here and uh again struggling just a little bit to see the field and they were dropping a lot in coverage, but they were kind of mixing and matching just a little bit. And we check it down a poke for nothing. And then we get sacked uh, for just the three yards there. Possibly could have thrown it away. If Will gets loose from uh, the pursuer there, probably runs for a nice game. Doesn't happen. That And, again, I don't necessarily even count that one sack against the offensive line. I, mean, I think we kind of rolled into the pressure there. And, and then it was really more of a coverage sack. And then we're incomplete to Malik Heath. Again, that, that's a play on third and 13. I thought we kind of got ramped up a little bit, if you will. I think Will missed him there. I don't know if he runs for the first down, but he really wasn't given an opportunity to pass his a little bit off target there. And that's where I think I think most people can agree Will, accuracy-wise, was much better against Louisiana Tech. I thought his ball placement was off in this ball game. And uh, I think he would probably say the same. I mean, that's one thing I'll say about Will Rogers talking to him. He's a very self-aware guy. He doesn't sit there and make excuses for himself. He'll tell you, yeah, i got to make a better throw there. So that's two drives that end on third downs where we had open receivers. And, again, I don't know if Heath makes the first down there, but I would like to have seen him have the opportunity to make a catch there with a running start and then kind of see how things progress. He is our most physical wide receiver. And Tucker Day with a 30-yard punt. Again, right there at midfield, they're taking over at our 47 so we're losing the battle for field position, and we played this about this entire quarter on our side of the field. NC State takes over with uh, 6.50 to go. Pearson, excuse me, Person runs for 13 yards. One of their best offensive plays of the day in a running game. Then again, they run for two, run for two, brings up a third and six. They're incomplete to Thomas. Jalen Green with the pass breakup there, Randy Charlton. Uh, kind of exerting himself a little bit. Thought he, I thought Randy had a really good game. And so they attempt the field goal, and it's no good. So, again, here we are. There's three phases of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. We're not playing well offensively. We're not playing well on special teams. But the defense has stood up back-to-back drives when they were given the short end of the field and kept NC State off the scoreboard. We go back on offense. Dylan Johnson runs for no yards. Then we're complete to Dylan Johnson for three. Brings up a third and seven. We're incomplete to Polk. Then Tucker Day gets off a 37-yarder. It was his best of the day to date. And I remember our crowd just kind of sarcastically cheering as the punt got away. But it still wasn't a great punt. 37 yards, but at least they're on their side of the field 
beginning to drive at their own 30. Person runs for a two-yard loss. Uh, Colin Duncan made a great play here. Colin Duncan, kind of an unsung hero of this defense. This is a guy that gets downhill, can play to run really well. Made some pretty good plays in pass coverage, too. He got beat on one, but I thought Colin Duncan had a good ball game. Aaron Brule also there on the tackle. Leary complete to Amizi for eight, brings up a third and four. They beat us on a little bit of a rub route there with a five-yarder. They run the out route, and it's essentially a pick play. You know, the inside receiver undercuts the X. You know, as the X basically goes and picks two players. Could have seen, seen an OPI call there. They, they didn't. Then they're complete to Devin Carter for 15. And um, Carter is an impressive-looking player for them. I, I look for him to have a big year for them. He's what you expect a power five wide receiver to look like. I thought he was a guy that – could have potentially gave us a little trouble. Uh, they've got a couple of guys on either side, of course, with Amizi and Carter that are, that are, you know, could potentially play in the SEC. So it's good to see how our corners kind of paired up against those guys. Then you go back to person for nothing, and then um, Larry completed there for nine yards on second ten that uh, gets the ball out of bounds, and that completes the first quarter. That completes the first quarter. So you look at the numbers, and uh, – you know, NC State had kind of driven up down the field a little bit. What had like over almost 120 yards of offense. We had five yards. Five yards in the first quarter. We start the second with a third and one. They decide to run Ricky Person left side, and we hit him for a four-yard loss. Nate Watson, Sherman Timms in on a play there. And then lo and behold, what do we do? We gift him a first down. Fourth and five, they're deciding to go, and Brule gets flagged for offsides. And uh, you got to be a little bit more disciplined there. You, you really do. And so we give them an opportunity to extend the drive, and then they go down and put points on the board. Complete to Penix for nothing, and then Person runs for seven, incomplete to Carter. They kick a 45-yard field goal. Now it's a seven-to-three ball game. And it's always about minimizing mistakes. And uh, we, we make a mistake here on a possession play that allows him to get points on the board. You know, I'm not, you know, who's to say they wouldn't have converted anyway? They may have. But you can't gift it to them. And we did there. Allowed them to uh, to make a drive and to extend the drive and, and score. So we get the ball back, and uh, we actually get our, uh, our first first down on this next drive here. We take over to on 25. We're complete to Wiley for nine. Then we go to Caleb Ducking, which would have been his first reception as a Bulldog, and they call us for illegal formation. Ducking's one actually uh, flag for a penalty there. I don't know that that's accurate, actually. But anyway, 13 yards to him, but they, they flag us, so now it's a second and six. We go back to Wiley for eight, who gets the first down. So, you know, right at the 12-minute mark of the second quarter, we get our first, our first first down. Things begin to improve from here. Marks then runs for a two-yard gain. There's a false start on Scott Lashley. Lashley is tagged here, but I actually believe, and I've talked to some people, I think this was actually some confusion on the snap count. It might have actually been an error by the center himself. You know, maybe going quick count there, and Lashley, you know, Lashley gets going. And um, this kind of silliness, you know, we got to be on the same page. And, again, the offensive line played really well this weekend and really took a step up from what they were in the first half of Louisiana Tech. But that's something there, no matter if it's Lashley or no matter if it's it's Q, you know, somebody wasn't on the same page there, and we got to get that corrected. So we get back to work here, 
and uh, Rodgers complete to Dylan Johnson there for uh, for 16 yards in the first down. And again, this there's some there's some improv here, right? I mean, this is a situation where you know we may be checking it down, but Dylan Johnson kind of uncovers. The next thing you know, the defense doesn't adjust and he's loose and uh, picks up first down. Dylan Johnson, I thought, had a much better game against NC State than he did against Louisiana Tech, and he needed to bounce back a little bit. That guy can really play. That guy's going to help us win some ball games, and so it's good to see him play well. Then we're complete to Marks for five, and then Marks runs for six. It gives us another first down. So now we're, you know, now we're in plus territory. First and ten at the NC State 39. We're complete to Tulu for five, and he powers through a tackle. And I think Tulu is a guy, too. We always talked about how fast and quick he is. He is much stronger. Now, how many times do you see him get hit and fall backwards? He is usually falling forwards and at times powering through tackles and getting additional yards. Then we're complete to Marks for one. We complete to, to Marks again for three. It brings up a third and four. We call timeout, and we go for it here on the fourth and one. And um, and so we, I didn't like the play call. Okay, it's like we're lining them up, spread them out, and we throw you know the flare pass out into the short side of the field, and they blow it up. And so we lose two yards on the play. And I know you're looking at it and thinking, well, you know, we've – and there, there's some people that that message me a lot for some reason, but uh, but anyhow, so I thought we had an opportunity to run for it here. I don't know if you don't have the little QB option type deal or whatever, but I didn't like the play call. It didn't work out, and it's easy to say that in hindsight. But um, you know, we lose it there. They get the ball back, and again, it's a chance for us to go expand the lead. We don't here, even though we had a very successful offensive drive. We just didn't end in the end zone. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. 
Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. NC State takes over, I guess, at their 32 with six minutes to go in the half. Knight runs for one. Then they're incomplete on back-to-back plays. Brings up a fourth to nine. And so they get a 50-yard punt. We fair catch it at 17. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so now we're looking at first and 10 from our own 17 with 539 to go. Riders complete to Dylan Johnson. Gets it out to the 20. And then Jameer Calvin has a chance to make a play here, but Tanner Engel, one of the best players on the NC State defense, breaks up the play. Throw is a little bit off, too. Uh, Will this then complete to Austin Williams for 11 and gets a first down. Then we're incomplete to Marks, incomplete to Polk, puts us in a third and 10 there. And then one of the better throws of the day, great throw and maybe an even better catch, you know, Will to Jaden, bit of a timing route there on the out while he has the first down. First and 10 now at our 41. We're complete to Makai Polk for 17 yards. That guy's going to be a star for us. He really is. He really is. I, I think we need to kind of feed him a little bit more, to be honest with you. Then we're complete to Marks for one. Brings up a second nine. Dylan Johnson runs for two. Third, third and seven. We're incomplete to Makai Polk, and Engel makes a great play. And they call us for holding. And here's the thing about some of this holding stuff. I don't know if it's just that crew or whatever. You know, some some of this is just football. You know, it's like I can watch some of these plays live and it looks like holding. Then I go back and look at the re- the review. Some, sometimes guys are just getting beat on both sides of the line. I, I thought this one was a little bit questionable. Um, there's always some pulling and grabbing. There always is, just about every play. But rather than – take the penalty they elect to decline and so we go for it so in fourth and seven from their 39 we go for it and will with a great back shoulder throw and an even better catch from makai polk and this is one of the things that we saw regularly in fall camp we told you guys about this if we're on jeans pages that um, makai polk is really good at making the contested catch he has great body control he's a guy that can kind of go up and shield the defender and insecure the catch and get his feet down and uh, really a nice job there. And I'll be honest with you, when we made this play call to go, I just thought to myself, you know, Will has been off a little bit ball placement-wise. You know, maybe this isn't the way to go. But it showed that Mike Leach has a lot of confidence in Will Rogers. It shows that Mike Leach says, you know what, I trust my quarterback to go out here and execute a play, and then he does. And that's the better way to build confidence too. 
is you put him in a situation that is a confidence-building opportunity, and then he comes through. Not that Will Rogers struggles in any self-confidence. Will Rogers knows that he can run this scheme. But this is a play where I thought Mike Leach is telling his offense, you know what, I trust you guys to go out and execute. You know, and if we don't, I know our defense is good enough to keep them off the field, and they did. So we get the first down, and then uh, Dylan runs for five, makes it a first uh, – excuse me, a second five at their 21. One of the better throws Will Rogers made all day. You lay up the, the fade to the back pylon. Malik Heath runs under. A little bit of a push there, not too much. Both of them are kind of doing a little chicken fighting there. But um, Malik makes the grab. And at 14-3, I'll be honest with you, the way our defense is playing, it kind of felt like the game was over. That's kind of how it felt like. You know, that, that was so huge to get that touchdown and go up two scores at the half. Because it just felt like defensively, we kind of had them figured out. That's the way it felt. So, so here we go. We, we have to kick the ball back to them. Ruiz again with a touchback. They start with a minute nine to go. And again, I thought defensively we played pretty good here. They're complete to Carter for five, and then they're complete to Knight for seven. Gets it out to the 37, Jed Johnson with the play there, who also played exceptionally well. His best game as a Bulldog. Then it's Incomplete to Amizi, and then it's Jalen Green with a PBU and Crumity in the face there of Leary. Then they're complete tonight for no gain, and then we call timeout and force a punt. And a lot of people are wondering, well, I don't understand, you know, why we have Austin Williams back there filling punts. Well, Austin Williams has got it, catches the football. You know, there, there are times that he can make a return every now and again, too. Is he going to break one to the house? Probably not. But you can trust that guy back there. People say, well, Jaden Wiley can break it. Well, Jaden Wiley had a couple fumbles last year, too, if I'm not mistaken, on punt returns. So, make I remember a big one uh, in the Arkansas game. Uh, Trenton Gill and punts 41 yards. Williams returns at 13 and then is hit on the uh, on the white. They add on 15. Seeing the re- replay on it, it's, it's a borderline call. It really is. And the announcers said as much. You know, when I saw it live, I thought, oh, that's definitely 15. It's kind of a continuing action play. I could, I would have been okay either way. If they don't call it, I, I can't really gripe too much. We had just 21 seconds, and, you know, we kind of do a couple things here. And I was thinking if we could just get, a, you know, a first down and get out of bounds, you got a shot to get a field goal here. We're incomplete to Polk. And then we're complete to uh, to Calvin for 12 down to the 38, and then they call us for holding on a dollar bill. Backs us back up to the 50, and then at that point you're just trying to get out of there. We, we – we shoved it down to Marks and runs for 15. Could have been a bigger play. I thought Marks ran. He didn't use his block there, and he runs right into the defender. Could have been a much bigger play. But at the end of the day, probably not going to score. So we get into the half 14-3. to three. All right, so we, you guys that uh, – many of you cover all the gambit when it comes to football. Many of you guys like to put a little money in the game. Our friends at DraftKings are back. I know that you guys remember they, they were with us last fall. They're back again this year. And now is really the time to celebrate. First NFL se- week of the season is in the books. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the National Football League, is putting you in the center of the action. New customers get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their very first deposit. That's right. That's right. You get a shot at a million bucks just by using promo code BONEYARD. Get on the action now. It's simple. Pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Fill the NFL action like never before with a free shot at a million-dollar payday. And here's the cool thing, too. If you've never played fantasy football, every game is important. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's one thing you've got a team to pull for, but every game is important when you're playing fantasy football. It's, it's incredible. Download the DraftKings app today and use code BONEYARD. 
This week, new customers get a free shot at a million-dollar prize and compete for millions in prizes across all contests. Again, that's promo code BONEYARD on the DraftKings app to get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your very first deposit. Again, code BONEYARD at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the National Football League. A minimum $5 deposit is required. Some eligibility restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for more detail. All right, let's get in the second half here. This is one of those things, too, you look at, you know, they get the ball first coming out of the half. So getting a stop here, to me, really felt like, you know what, if we can get a little distance here, survive this first draft for the second half, we got a chance to put this thing away. That's exactly what happened, too. So we kick it off, and um, they, again, run off left side for four out of bounds. Devin Leary then rushes for a one-yard gain, and we're all in their face there. This is Cameron Young really, really playing well. Cam Young sees what Leary's trying to do. He's trying to get the corner and go, and there's a you know 295-pound, 300 guy running him down on the sidelines and pushes him out of bounds just for a one-yard gain. You know, if, if, he, if Cam's not hustling on the play, it's a first down. He's easily going to run for the first down. Well, they get the first down the next play when they're complete to Devin Carter. And this is that crazy play, too, where we bring the house and Aaron Brule is all in Leary's face. He throws off his back foot and just lays it up there to Carter. There are three Bulldogs there, and Carter just outjumps us. It's an ill-advised throw. worked out well for them. And you kind of think, oh, my goodness, is this that drive where they, they tighten things up a little bit? No, it's not. Knight runs for 11 yards, one of their better rushes of the day. And Jet Johnson absolutely – Running to the football, puts his helmet on the ball, knocks it loose, and there's Jalen Green again. Again, there's Jalen Green around the football. It's incredible how life is so much easier for you when you are pursuing the ball. Jalen Green now with a fumble recovery, a couple PBUs, and an interception, one of State's best defensive players. And again, that's just a byproduct of the Zach Arnett, you know, chronicles. You run to the football. That's a basic tenet of football, but, you know, it's a, it's a foundational standard for Zach Arnett. If you're not going to run to the football, you're not going to play at Mississippi State. That's just how it is. It's how it should be. There's Jalen Green being rewarded for his efforts. And so Mississippi State takes over. At our own 46, Marks goes for a one-yard loss. One of the really only negative running plays we had on the day. We're complete to Austin Williams for 34 yards. And there are a lot of people that say, hey, I'm not, Steve, I'm so tired of all the check downs. Guys, here's, here's what happens. We check it down when they're playing in cloud and when they're playing in zone. And then all of a sudden they start have to re- have to respect the check down. Because, you know, Marks and Johnson and those guys begin to kind of make some plays. Well, now all of a sudden you're, you're holding them honest. Well, here's what happens. We fake the check down and then we go downfield. You know, as the defender reacts to the pump fake, and then all of a sudden, it opens up that window to throw the ball to Austin Williams there for 34 yards. Nice catch and run for him for a first down. And then Williams is flagged for illegal substitution the next play. Crazy how life works. First and 15, we're complete to Marks for five, and then Dylan Johnson runs for eight. And I really thought he ran hard. Really thought DJ really bounced back. And, and this is a guy that loves Mississippi State, too. This is a guy that he doesn't love Mississippi State just because they offered him a scholarship. He's been recur- He's been – Rooting for State in the egg ball most of his life. All right, so third and two, we're complete to Austin Williams for three. Old steady Eddie there. 
for the first down. We're complete to Tulu again. It's a six-yard gain. It's probably a four-yard completion, and then Tulu making a play to, to, to move it a little bit forward. Then we're complete to Jaden Wally for the touchdown. Offensive line gave him all day to throw. Thought he might run for it. Made the better decision. And then Nolan McCord with the PAT. And so, again, we go back to this Ruiz thing. Not exactly sure what happened, but, uh, you know, Scott Goodman handled the kickoffs and McCord handled the place kicking uh, afterwards. So, clearly there's an issue with Ruiz. We'll find out. Uh, we'll try to find out today. But it's a 21-3 ball game. NC State takes over 8.59 to go in the third quarter. They're complete to Thomas for 15. Again, Colin Duncan makes a play there. Person for a one-yard gain, complete to Devin Carter for nine, another first down. And then Aaron Odom. And it seems like Aaron Odom is a guy that we hadn't talked about a lot. And uh, he was sidelined most of fall camp as he recovered for some uh, postseason cleanup work. But Aaron Odom lays out here, hits the football. I think he gets it with his helmet. And so it causes a fumble. And then the ball springs forward, almost picked off. Ty Wheat nearly comes down with it. But they they recover the fumble to lose a yard. They review it. And uh, I don't know what we're trying to review there. I mean, basically the difference was about the length of the football. But they review it. It wasn't like it was a change of possession. And then they try to swing another play out, and Ty Wheat recognizes it. They're trying to come left, and he diagnoses the play, and rather than pursue, he kind of drops back and gets his hands up and nearly picks it off. Almost had back-to-back opportunities for a, uh, an interception there for Ty Wheat, who was, again, kind of Mississippi State's unheralded hero in defense. He's always around the football. Devin Leary did an incomplete to Riley Charlton in his face again. And, again, Charlton, I thought his best game as a Bulldog thus far. Delay of the game penalty, and then they, they punt the thing away. And uh, Jaden Wiley returns it for 11 yards to the MSU 29. And it really felt like that the game was over. My, in my mind, it did. It, it felt like, you know what, it's 21-3. We just need to be smart and judicious here and kind of avoid, you know, the negative play. We just don't want to go out here and get – too conservative, but at the same time, too, we don't want to go out there and get too cute. We're complete to Jameer Calvin for 11 and a first down, and then we get a false start penalty on Dollar Bill. There's been a lot of that, you know, and a lot of people are calling for him to be removed from the lineup. You know, I I think he's a young guy that's kind of settling in, but, you know, he's doing some things that are detrimental to the team at times, and and that's Mason Miller's got to fix that. Simple as that. Uh, We're complete to Jameer Calvin for six. Then we're incomplete to ducking, and actually a pretty nice play there. Uh, by Derek Pitts. Ducking had his hands on it for a second. Pitts kind of rakes it out. Then we're complete to Dylan Johnson for eight. Brings up a fourth and one at the 49. We thought about going for it. You know, we took the field, and then we called timeout. Then we put the offense on the field, and then we run the punting team out there. And uh, they're in punt safe. And so, as a result, they fair catch at the nine. So, we've got them pinned back really deep here. And, again, great job by the Bulldog defense kind of getting after him here. Incomplete to Smith. There's a false start on them. Makes it a second 14. Complete to Person on the check down out to the 11. Jet Johnson again there. And then Devin Leary complete to Thomas, uh, you know, for nothing there basically. And um, Brule in the face again. A 48-yard punt, Austin Williams returns at five yards. We're now, now all of a sudden we're beginning to win the battle of field position. So here we go with uh, – we take over with 321 to go in the third quarter. Marks goes for a gain of one, and then we're complete to Jaden Wally for 13. That intermediate passing game really loosened up as the game went along. I thought Will took big advantage of that. 
uh, Marks and runs for three, and there's back-to-back incompletions. And um, the one to Rara, if the ball's out on time, we, I think we probably convert there. Now they flag Dollar Bill for unnecessary roughness, and I got to tell you, I got issues with this call. And on the replay, they don't they don't show it. Uh, they just show you the guys being engaged. So here's what happens. So the ball is snapped. Dollar Bill is unengaged at this point. He does not have a marker. And so he elects to double – when there's not a blitzing backer coming late, he elects to engage the nose that is uh, across from LaQuinson Sharp. And then Dollar Bill pancakes him before the whistle. It's all between the whistles. It is a legal play. It is simply football. And they flag him for unnecessary roughness. Now, I'm sure the player himself would say, hey, it wasn't necessary because I wasn't going to get there anyway. But it is a legal play before the whistle, and this is a bad call. Now, after talking to a few people, and you may have seen this on TV, those of you that are watching from home, it got a little chippy, especially on the NC State side. They talked the entire ball game. They talked and talked and talked and talked. And sometimes we talk too. I'm not trying to say it's all an NC State issue by any stretch, and that's just being a competitor. And so the thinking is, from the people that I spoke to, is they flagged this just because of the fact things were getting a little bit chippy, and this is the officials trying to get kind of control of the ball game. And while Dollar Bill did some things in the ball game that uh, were detrimental to the team, you know, a couple, you know, holding calls, whatever, you know, this is one where he kind of gets saddled with uh, a bad call. Saw it all happen live. It was a bad call. There's no question about it. And there was some chippiness that happened later in the ball game too. And again, I, I think those calls are probably justified. But again, I think it's a crew that was a pretty good crew. I mean, I, you know, a, lot, a lot of times we can have some complaints. I thought the crew in the tag game was awful. I thought this crew was pretty good. I, I, there were some plays. There's always going to be some you disagree on. This is one. But I thought the crew just tried to kind of get a hold of the game and prevent things from escalating as – the chippiness kind of began to ensue. I think they're just trying to get control of their game. All right, so NC State takes over at their own 25 with a minute 15 to go in the third. It's a rush for two yards, and Emmanuel Forbes makes the play. Emmanuel Forbes was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I thought he and Martin Emerson both were kind of the difference in our run defense. You know, they're wanting to run that stretch play. They're wanting to get outside. They want to run left. And so they're running at Forbes, who I think he got here at like 110 pounds. Now, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious. But Emmanuel Forbes should not be tackling with the authority that he does. You look at him and you think, oh, my goodness, this kid's going to get broken half. But he doesn't. He's fearless. And that's what happens. They're trying to get those big backs matched up on corners. And a lot of college corners don't want to hit, especially – running backs with a full head of steam, but not our guys. Our guys were outstanding. And, and here's the thing, too. These guys, if you if you ever saw Darcel McBath play at Texas Tech or in the NFL, and there's a reason he went to the National Football League, he is coaching these guys in his own image. Darcel McBath was one of the most physical corners in, of, in college football. And everybody knew it. And so when you ran to his side, he was going to hit you. And a lot of times he'd hit you with bad intentions. And so this is what you're seeing when you see Forbes and Emerson's game begin to kind of elevate as an open field tackler. That's the coaching of Darcel McBath because that's who he was. Probably still would be if he could still play. Knight then runs for a loss of three yards, Cam Young and Jaden Cromerty there. And, again, I don't think that our interior 
guys are getting enough credit for the job they're doing against a run. And then he's complete to Amizi for, uh, you know, for six, and that runs out the third quarter. Now, of course, we all went through a wild fourth quarter against Louisiana Tech, but there just didn't seem to be any life really in NC State. It really felt like, you know, they didn't quit. It's like they were just kind of beaten in the submission, and State was, was dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage. I really thought the difference in the weight program showed up in the second half. That they, they made some plays early and had a couple quarterback hurries, but by and large, we had a clean pocket probably the last three quarters. I think you go back and look at that. And did a decent job early on, too. But I thought we really did a good job uh, pass pro and kind of keeping Will up. And I thought as the game wore on, the pass rush for NC State was diminished, not just because we were, you know, the stronger team. I think they really tired out some. Then we're complete to Dylan Johnson for 26. And, again, this is a quarterback and a running back kind of getting on the same page. We're rolling right. We're going to check it down. Dylan Johnson uncovers. We throw it back to him, and next thing you know, he's inside and running for 26. So rather than it being a gain of five, it's a gain of 26. And that's just playing together. That's just kind of learning how we operate. That's being able to read each other. And so, again, we're kind of seeing these guys grow up before our eyes here. They weren't complete to Tulu again for 11. Same situation. Same situation. The first tackler can't bring him down. And, and that just shouldn't happen. I mean, you, you look at a guy that size, you think, oh, well, yeah, they can get – no. Last year was different. But Tulu Griffin is a guy that uh, has proven to be pretty slippery and is, is capable of putting his foot in the ground and kind of pushing ahead after the first point of contact. It's encouraging. Markson runs for no yards, and we're complete to Dylan Johnson for 14 more for a first down. Incomplete to Makai Polk, and then incomplete to Makai Polk. And uh, that's the one, if if we get the ball out on time and on target, it's a touchdown. And Will will tell you the same. Will kind of hung his receiver out to dry there. Wasn't anything intentional, but he didn't make the, the, the proper throw, and then Polk is extended, and Engel cracks him in the ribs. It wasn't targeting, and a lot of people asked for that. I did think you could have drawn a flag there for unnecessary roughness. If you're going to get dollar bill for pancaking a guy between the whistles, you got a guy like Makai Polk that is extended in a defenseless position, and the ball is clearly overthrown, and then you're going to allow the safety to unload on him. Listen, it's a football play, but I would have liked to have seen the flag there. I, I just to be honest with you. I, I thought it was. I thought it was. A hit with malicious intent. It's difficult to judge and gauge those things. But if you're going to flag a guy, a lineman, on a third and seven play for pancaking an interior offensive line, defensive lineman in a legal football play, why is, why is this not flagged? And so it's like, again, we're not all perfect, but um, I know it's a bang-bang play, but I, I probably would flag that because the ball was clearly out. He wasn't engaged at the time. He, it's not like he was in the air himself. He, he had a chance to take a free shot. He took it, and the referees let him do it. All right, so then we go back to Caleb Ducking, and, uh, and I'll be honest with you, they could have flagged this too. The, the, you know, he, Caleb Ducking clearly out of bounds, and he's uh, hit in the white hit pretty well there. And uh, they, you know, they, they declined the holding call on third and ten, and then we kick a field goal to go up twenty-four to three. Scott Goodman with a the kick there. Noel McCord makes the field goal, and then Goodman kicks a touchback. And isn't it great to have depth in special teams? Again, don't know what's wrong with, with Ruiz, but isn't it great that we've got guys who can go out there and make plays for us and, and convert kickoffs? I mean, it's hadn't always been that way at Mississippi State, for sure. 
All right, so we kick the ball back to them, and uh, they take over at their 25 with 12.30 to go in the ball game, which is around the time we begin our big comeback against Louisiana Tech. Uh, complete to Penix for five, and then we get him for a loss, and I thought Jaden Crumbody just completely engulfed him. Took the running back and the quarterback. Those are the kinds of plays that will show up on NFL draft film. They had to bring in another player, bring in Ben Finley, the backup quarterback, and he throws a ground ball to Devin Carter. Not sure there was much there on the play anyway. And then they have to punt on uh, fourth and 13 there while he returns 15 yards. All right, so we take over at our 38, 11.29 to go. We're complete to Heath for eight. And, uh, again, nice play here. Probably thrown as a five-yard gain, and then Heath powers ahead for it. He is our most physical wide receiver. Will Rogers runs for a loss of two, and this is one where we just mishandled a snap. They, it was uh, Woody Marks that covered it, but uh, they, they charged it to Will Rogers, as they should, and Will will tell you he's got to make that play. Then we're incomplete to Malik Heath on third and four. Again, probably a pass we should make. Uh, this may have been the one, too. I'm, I'm trying to remember in hindsight here. I think this ball actually got tipped at the line. Tucker Day with his best punt of the day, 56 yards. And that's the thing with Tuckman. It's like, you know, he, he's capable of, of getting those things together, but you know, the consistency issue is what we've got to kind of work through. NC State takes over at their 20 with just under 10 minutes to go. Incomplete to Smith and incomplete to Parham for seven. Incomplete to Person for zero. And then they, they take timeout on the fourth and three. They elect to go for it, and they beat us right here. We, we just didn't, we didn't defend this well. Complete to Devin Carter for 37 yards. Fred Peters makes a play. They go back to Pearson for three, or Person for three, excuse me. Ty Wheat, Cam Young with a tackle there. Incomplete to Carter. And then they get flagged on the third and seven after the play there to bring up third and 22. Unnecessary roughness. Kind of cleaning up the pile a little bit there. Glad to see that called. But they had already let a couple things get away. Then it's complete um, to Amizi for 38 yards. It really kind of set some big things up for them. You're thinking, okay, they're going to go down here and score – and uh, we're going to have some drama at Davis Wade Stadium, but that's not how it worked out. Ninth in rushes for four, down to the MSU six. Sherman Timms with a nice play uh, for no gain on second six. Third and six, this is after the play, obviously. There is an unnecessary roughness call on Penix, who basically just kind of slammed Forbes to the ground after the play was over with. It was, it was uncalled for. It was absolutely the right call. Now, all of a sudden, it's a third and 21. They try to work underneath. Jet Johnson breaks it up. Jet again running to the football, gets a hand in there, breaks it up, brings up a fourth and 21. And again, all this, again, this all this chippiness kind of came back to roost. And then the, the one, the guy that you slammed to the ground is the guy that comes on a corner blitz. And I thought Forbes sold it exceptionally well. He lines up an inside position, uh, basically forcing the receiver outside. And so that's the pre-snap read. It's okay, let's run the fade. It's almost as if you're baiting the quarterback into the deeper route here. Granted, it's a fourth and 21. But Forbes does not in any way tip that he's coming. And he leaves on the snap, and he is shot out of a cannon. Leary was powerless. He tried to roll out of it. Great tackle by Forbes, who was outstanding on the day. So now it's a turnover on downs. So now you start thinking, okay, we've had, you know, we've had, you know, the the interception in the end zone. We've had the fumble recovered by Green. Now there's a turnover on downs. It doesn't go in the stat column as a turnover, but here's your defense uh, ending a drive for them. 
613 to go, and I really wish we would have done something here to kind of put the game away. I, you, you, you want to finish out ball games. You really do. Um, so Johnson goes for one. They were incomplete to Wiley. We're complete to Ra Ra, you know, for three. Through that short of chains. And then uh, we call timeout. And I guess it's one of those since we're trying to, you know, set set the punt team. And then we still get a false start. Fourth and six becomes fourth and 11. And we, we kick it. And uh, they're down at their 26 with under five minutes to play. They were complete to Porter Rooks for 21. Complete to Houston for three. Forbes on the tackle there. And they run for three, and then they're complete to Amizi for eight. Now it's a first down on our side of the field. Uh, then they're complete to Rooks again, 37, inside the five. And it just seemed like it was just a matter of time before they scored here. Houston then runs for two. We stack him up. Incomplete to Thomas. They go run, They run the same play on third and four. They ran on second and four. And they beat us outside. And it was a catch. I, I wondered in live time if it was after watching the review. It, it absolutely was a catch. And so they score with a minute six to go. I would love to have been able to keep them out of the end zone here. You know, just to kind of reward your defense for a great day. But it is what it is. You know, by the time they scored, the game had all been decided. Uh, so they, they kicked the onside kick. And they get it. We had two chances to get it. Forbes elevates. Can't come down with it. Next thing you know, there's a scrum. We lose. Incomplete to Devin Carter and then Randy Charlton with a big sack of Devin Leary for four. Incomplete to person, Cam Young. Great job again by Cam. This is not at the line of scrimmage. This is Cam rolling to the action, and they're trying to kind of flare it out there. And there's there's a 300-pound defensive lineman getting out there and getting a hand up on a rolling quarterback and knocking the ball down. Again, it's an effort play. It's an absolute effort play. And I, I told you guys at the beginning of the year, I thought Cam Young was going to make a big jump this year. I think we're seeing it. They lay it down the field. Fred Peters undercuts the route, picks it off. And there's your ball game. We go into victory formation, uh, run the clock out, and uh, your Bulldogs are 2-0. and Real quickly, let's look at some numbers here. I think it's important to kind of put some things in perspective. I don't know, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, NC State actually attempted more passes than Mississippi State did. 50. Well, I guess they credit him with 51. Yeah, because of the, uh, the halfback pass. So 51 passes thrown. We threw 49. We're the air raid team, and they threw more passes than we did. Completed them at a lower rate. Uh, got a few more yards, but uh, interesting to say the least. Mississippi State defensive unit credited with four sacks. Mississippi State gave up just the one sack, and again, that's one where I think we just kind of rolled into the pressure. And it was just a great effort, too, on their behalf. I give the guy credit. You know, if, if he doesn't make that shoestring tackle, Will's going to run for a little while. So, again, offensive line, pass protection, much better. Much better. Uh, against South Florida, NC State ran for nearly 300 yards. They ran for 32 against Mississippi State, 32 yards on 25 attempts. They had 39 yards lost. And it wasn't just on quarterback sacks, right? Everybody that ran the football for them at least had one negative play. There were two guys at the end of the day with negative yards rushing. They averaged 1.3 yards a carry. Mississippi State, uh, just 22 yards themselves, but that's not really our thing. And I actually thought we ran block – the run blocking was better than it was the week before. There were a couple times, too, we just didn't see holes, or we weren't patient enough or we ran into defenders. There were times our young running backs, I thought, you know, we just, just couldn't see the hole. And there were other times, too, you know, we, they, they would make a play. But uh, we're not going to run it a whole lot. 
But uh, Dylan Johnson was your leading rusher and your leading receiver on the day. Uh, Dylan Johnson, six catches, 70 yards. Austin Williams, three for 48. Jaden Wildey, five for 44 and a touchdown. Makai Polk, four for 33. Malik Keith, two for 29 and a touchdown. Jaquavius Mark, seven grabs, 28 yards. Tulu, three grabs for 22. Jameer Calvin, two for 17. Ra Ra, one for three. Um, so, looking at some defensive numbers here, too. You know, we talked last week how NC State had, I think, double digit. I think it was 10 tackles for losses against uh, South Florida. They had three this week, three. Mississippi State, on the other hand, had several double digit tackles for losses. We talk about the sacks and, you know, look at these pass breakups. You know, Jed Johnson with one, Cam Young with one, Jalen Green with two, Tyrus Wheat with one. Quarterback hurries, we were in their face all day. You know, it's just, you know, you look at this and you say, okay, this is how the defense is supposed to play. Yeah, we had a little bit of a lapse there late. They completed a pass. But, um, you know, we're out there making some things happen. So this is the defense you guys expected to see, right? And it's a game that we had to have. And so excited to see that, uh, you know, to say the least. So that, that's your numbers. And, again, Mississippi State now 2-0, and a very good win against a quality opponent. Excited for the W. I know you guys are excited to go to Memphis. I am too. And we'll talk about them a little bit later in the show, but we're going to preview them on Wednesday, kind of break down what they've done. I'm going to go back and watch a game or two of them uh, you know, tomorrow. That's the plan anyway. Excited to kind of see what they do. Listen, we know what they do offensively, but they have been abysmal defensively. It should be a high-scoring game. I'm not much of a gambler, but I'm probably taking the over in this one if I was. But uh, be that as it may, let's get into today's top ten list. Brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Channer, a longtime friend of mine and a guy that knows the mortgage industry as well as anybody. You can entrust your business and your private information to just about anybody. There are a lot of people out there with you know, these online mortgage companies and things like that. You may not even know who you're dealing with. Blair's a guy you can see on campus. You come to Mississippi State game, you can see him. Now, he may not want to talk business that day. He may want to talk Bulldogs with you. But this is a guy that's committed to Mississippi State, and I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever I can. Blair also in the top 1% nationally in loan origination. This guy can get your loan closed. And one of the best things sometimes, too, is you just need somebody to guide you through the process. Maybe you're not ready today. Maybe you say, you know what, I dream of home ownership. I need a plan. Blair can help you with that, too. He can tell you what you need to do. He can give you a path to home ownership. Check him out at closewithblair.com. That's B-L-A-I-R, Close with Blair. Works at Fairway Mortgage. It's a name you know, right? That's a name you know. It's not some fly-by-night, some prowl lender. Blair Chandler is the guy that gets things done with a reputable company doing things the right way. Give him a call today, 601-500-2344. Also, if you mention to Blair, either by phone or by text or an email, that you heard about this ad on the Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $300 value. It's the benefit of being a listener of this show. This is an important decision, and trust your business to somebody that knows how to get things done a man of ethics and quality, Blair Chandler, closewithblair.com. All right, let's talk top ten list. So it was it's hard to find more recent top bands lists. Like, so this is my own list, I guess. I took, um, I took a few different lists, and I said, yeah, I like this band, and I went and ranked them. Uh, one of the things that irritates me, you know, when I was younger, I, want, I wanted to write for Rolling Stone, you know, back when they actually wrote about music. I loved Rolling Stone. I was a subscriber. I looked forward to getting that magazine all the time. 
I was broke as a Ten Commandments, but I had a subscription to Rolling Stone because that was my dream. I said, you know, one of these days I want to write for Rolling Stone. It's not my dream anymore. But one of the things that irritates me is like when I go look at these lists, I see these bands that don't sell any records and don't have a following. And it's like, you, and it's like are you kidding me? How is this in the top band? And what criteria are you using to put this band in the top ten? Oh, well, you know, like I saw them at a show once. Yeah, me too. And they were terrible. I don't understand it. It's like, well, oh, well, you know what? This band that I liked in college has a new album out. I've got these feelings of nostalgia. Let me put them in my top 10 list. No, no. Terrible. So this top 10 list that I'm giving you here, these bands are, number one, very talented. Number two, very successful. How can you be a top band of a, of a decade if you're not selling records, if you're not selling out arenas, if you're not creating a buzz on social media? All of these bands that I'm going to go with you today are bands that are absolutely doing it, and they're carrying the torch of rock forward. Now, some of these bands actually started prior to the 2010s, but they kind of reached their apex or their climax in the 2010s. So there are a few people who say, hey, well, Steve, this, this song came out in 2009 or 2008. Yeah, it did, but I'm just, I'm, this is my first favorite's of bands that really found notoriety in the 2010s. Let's get to it. Number 10, Seether. I really dig this band. They're from South Africa. I've seen them live. Saw them at Rocklahoma a couple years ago. One of the best performances I have seen in probably the last 10 years. They are absolutely phenomenal. The show is great. The band is great. There are a lot of bands that can't pull it off live. Seether can. And I'm going to see them soon here in a few weeks. Really excited about seeing those guys again. My first favorite from Seether fine again absolutely love that track and there's so many great songs in the catalog see there is a really solid band that maybe doesn't get the notoriety they deserve they sell a ton of records they sell a ton of merch and you go see them live and they can pull it off they're not some studio creation but i would like to see Seether have a little more success and kind of be more in the conversation here uh with some of our some of our music fans around the united states number nine another band it's not from America. I love these guys, and I actually like the industrial sound that they've put out a little bit more uh, here as of late. But it's Bring Me the Horizon. I absolutely dig uh, BMTH. I, the, the whole album on um, That's a Spirit. There's not a bad song on that. I, I can listen to that album in its entirety and not feel like I missed anything. But the first song for me, the one that drew me in, was Shadow Moses. Love that song too. And it's like they were a little more of a, of a rock band then. They've kind of mixed in some more electronic type stuff in recent years. But that's the one that pulled me in. Bring Me the Horizon, a band from Sheffield, England. Love those guys. Sounds good in the car. Number eight. This is a band named, um, kind of a, a, named after a former Fox News uh, TV host. I don't even know if she does anything anymore, but it's Greta Van Fleet. A lot of people say they're a Led's up on cover band. And you know what? Maybe they are. But I know what? They're pulling it off. The first song that pulled me in, just like many of you, was Highway Tune. This absolutely rocks. It is almost like something from a different planet. He does sound a lot like Robert Plant. He does. I think the guitar on this is incredible. I just love the fact that this is some new blood bringing in some new life. Uh, in the old school, for sure. Greta Van Fleet, Highway Tune. Number seven, 
a band I probably should have mentioned in the 2000s, but they have been very successful in 2010, so I'm kind of making amends right here. And it's, uh, it's Godsmack. And I'll be honest with you, I'll make a confession to you guys too, I was a little late on the Godsmack bandwagon because of the rift between them and Nikki Six, because I'm a huge Motley Crue guy, right? And so I didn't like a lot of things that Sully Arna had said about Nikki Six in the press. I'm like, I'm not going to give that guy my money. I'm not. They have since buried the hatchet. And, uh, I, and so I've gone back and really kind of fallen in love with the catalog and kind of, it's kind of silly in the first place, right? You know, um, but my favorite Godsmack song, I don't know that this would even qualify as my first favorite because all of it's kind of muddied because I kind of avoided Godsmack for a while. And I've seen them live, me and the homie Sam Denton saw them in, uh, in the, I guess it's Little Rock. They were great. Saw them at Rock, Oklahoma. I've seen them a handful of times now. And uh, so now I'm a Godsmack fan. But the song for me, and I was so glad to hear Christian McLeod use it as his walkout, is uh, Keep Away. I absolutely love that song. Number six, this is another band, too, that began to kind of bring some image back to rock music. I actually had somebody at Rocklahoma that asked me if I was in this band. I was backstage. And uh, this band wears masks and costumes and that sort of stuff. And I guess they thought, well, here's a guy out here that looks like he's in a band, but I don't know which band he's in. And so they said, hey, you wouldn't happen to be in Ghost, would you? And no, I'm not in Ghost, but I'm into Ghost. The song that really drew me in, though, and again, I was kind of late on the bandwagon here, was Square Hammer. I absolutely loved that song. When they played it live at Rocklahoma, I was sitting side stage and I about lost my mind. They were so, so good. Now, a lot has changed with the band here in the last couple of years. And so initially, this was going to be basically kind of like a super group. And then people could kind of come and go as they chose. Like, say, for an example, you know, studio musicians or guys that are other bands that perhaps were taking a hiatus, but they still wanted to play. That was kind of how Ghost was supposed to be. But um, they're great. If you've never seen them live, you are missing out. They put on an absolute killer show. So, again, Square Hammer from the band Ghost. And no, I'm not. Maybe I should have said, yeah, I'm in Ghost. And who, who would have ever said otherwise? I mean, Ghost had already left. Like they were already, I think they played like on Saturday and they were gone and somebody asked me on Sunday. See me walking around with my artist tag on and say, hey, are you in Ghost? I should have said, yeah. And just never know where the conversation will take you. Uh, number five, a band that I have loved for a long, 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 long time. And they really began to rise to uh, notoriety in, in 2010 with their album feeding the wolves it's the band 10 years they're from knoxville tennessee absolutely love this band i've met jesse several times and um he's really down to earth he's a guy to also follow sports which is always kind of cool but the song that really pulled me in and like many of you i'm sure you've you've heard it and you probably didn't know who, who it was and I'll, I'll be honest with you it is the uh, it is probably the best song on the autumn effect album it's Wasteland, and it's a song that, that he wrote about, um, you know, about his, uh, his cousin that uh, was the star of the John Grisham movie, The Client, that ultimately uh, killed himself. And so this is what that song is about. So if you didn't know, the kid that was Mark Sway in The Client uh, was from Tennessee and he was a child actor and, and a lot of big things happened to him and, and uh, he had a really rough life and uh, lived with his grandmother and then got some money and money didn't make him happy. But Wasteland is about that. If, if you are looking for a band that is solid that maybe you're not quite as familiar with, 
let me let me give let me gift you 10 years go back and listen to the division album the autumn effect album is really good i think division's even better my favorite one is feeding the wolves but the new one oh my gosh the new one is so great i love it uh the song the unknown is one of my favorite songs of the last couple years absolutely love that song to death 10 years if you don't know them you should number four man she is the reigning queen of rock and roll right now and that's uh, lizzie hale the band is hellstorm seen them live several times met her and again she is so down to earth and uh so incredibly talented and uh writes with a bit of an edge you know she's um She's a, she's a young lady that has liked to party in various uh, ways in her life, but um, pretty outstanding stuff. But uh, vocally, she is unbelievable. I, I have said before, and it's not hyperbole, I truly believe this. I believe that she is the best voice in rock since Janis Joplin and for females. And I absolutely mean that because she can use her low register. Now, she's not as bluesy as Janis. But, you know, Joan Jett's got some grunt to her, but she has, she didn't have the range that Lizzie Hale does. Lita Ford is a lot of fun. She can play a guitar. But there is nobody that is as talented as Lizzie Hale. And the fact that we're all alive to appreciate her talent, if you if you are unfamiliar with Hailstorm, and that's H-A-L-E, Storm, you are missing out. The one that brought me in was It's Not You. And there's Love Bites is another one that's incredible. But uh, they also have a couple of, of albums of covers that you might want to check out. Lizzie Hale, if I know there are a lot of people that say, man, Steve, I love a female rocker. Well, if you don't know who Lizzie Hale is, you are missing out on life. She is absolutely phenomenal. Number three, this is a band, too, that kind of got going uh, a little bit later, and then they churned out a bunch of albums. And my favorite first from them actually comes from a little bit before the 2010s. But they were huge, huge in the last decade. And, uh, David Draymond took some time off. Dave used to be on Twitter. And um, Dave was a guy kind of uh, – but when he was first getting going, he he would interact with you. Like you could message Dave and say – he had his DMs open and say, hey, Dave, uh, hey, what's going on with this? And he would message you back. I mean, it was, it was like a friend. I mean, it was crazy. He may go a day or two, but he'd always get back to you. And then David Draymond got off of Twitter because of uh, anti-Semitism. David is a devout Jew, doesn't have any tattoos, uh, because he wants to be buried in a Jewish cemetery someday. And so he's the only rock star that I know that doesn't have any tattoos. He doesn't have any. And uh, married a former WCW Nitro girl. I believe that's correct. And so Dave had another band called Device. It was pretty cool. But disturbed for me, the one that started it all, and, and even to this day, when I put this thing on the car in the car, I can't help but move. It's the song Stupefy. Oh my gosh. Stupefy but from Disturbed. This is when we talk about, you know, ten songs to grit your teeth to. This is on that list. Uh, number two, a little bit different from a lot of the bands in this list. And I've met these guys several times. Uh, Josh, the rhythm guitar player. Every time I go to a show, he'll see me. He'll come up to me and say, hey, so what are we playing tonight, Steve? Uh, these guys love their fans. They're so great to see live. They're from Jefferson City, Missouri. They're a band called Shaman's Harvest. I have every album uh, except for the, the first one that's uh, no longer in print. I have the digital copies. I have the, the physical copies. I love Shaman's Harvest. I've got a lot of Shaman's merch. I've got their autographs on my wall. Uh, Nate is a guy that... Um, nearly died of throat cancer he beat it and then recorded um 
the album uh, Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns, which is one of my favorite albums of the last decade. But the one that started it for me, and many of you have probably heard this on Sirius XM Octane, is a song called Dragonfly. I like the extended acoustic version that is on uh, Smoking Hearts, but the one off Shine, which is phenomenal. And there's another great song on there called Strike the Slate. It's one of my favorites. But Dragonfly is an absolute gem of a song. So if you don't know it, go check it out. We talk about sharing music. I love being able to share great bands and great people with you guys. If if you get into Shaman's Harvest, again, start. I would start at Smoking Hearts and Broken Guns and then maybe go backwards. These guys are phenomenal. New single just dropped last month, and uh, they're still doing it great. They're, uh, they're guys that believe in Southern rock, and they've got a little bit of an edge to it that makes it a little more modern and relevant. But if I get there's bands that I can give you, that's probably one of the most consistent ones. Uh, for me, it's shamans. Uh, number one on the list. You know, we talk a lot about bands that kind of come out of nowhere, that just kind of blow up. And when this band released their second album, the, the first album was a minor release called The Few Not Fleeting. But when they released their second album, it changed a lot of things in rock music. It, they were the number one new artist in rock that year, and they had the best debut album in rock that year. It's a band called Nothing More. I've met these guys too. Johnny is so incredibly talented, a very gifted writer, takes the stage in some uh, Levi's blue jeans, and that's it. Is barefooted, no shirt, uh, just absolutely electric performer. This is one of those guys that was born to write and perform. They're based out of San Antonio. Some of the members are also out of New Orleans. Every time I've gone to see them, it's like the crowd is um, is so diverse. It's they're very young, but also there's people like my age, the, us old rockers that are into this band too. And it's incredible to see kind of this melting pot of fandom for this band. But the song, This Is The Time, the very first time I heard it, it was almost like hearing Welcome to the Jungle for me. It was like, where has this been? And so they've, they're working on a new album now, looking forward to having that out. Their, their follow-up um, to this album, I guess their third one was called uh, Stories We Tell Ourselves. And uh, there's some incredible songs on there. Go to War is one. Uh, Don't Stop is one. I, I think th- these are anthemic-type songs for me. If you don't know nothing more and you like A Harder Edge, then this is the way to go. This is this is the absolute way to go. But again, some bands on here maybe you're not quite as familiar with that you should be. I love all of these bands. I've seen all these bands in person with the exception of Bring Me the Horizon uh, and, and Greta Van Fleet bands. I think you'll be really excited uh, listening to this list today. So Roy will have that up for you. There you go, first favorites from the 2010s. We'll wrap up this series on Wednesday, and we're going to do some country on Friday. How about that? i got to reach out to my country music experts and uh, make sure i got this list together. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. Longtime sponsors of this show. Go by and see Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Go by and see them. You can see what all the fuss is about. You know, a lot of you can do an online shopping anywhere, but there's a relationship you're building with Campus Bookmart when you go in and check those people out. Great friends, great family. I love going in there. They're always happy to see me, and it's not just me. They're nice to everybody. Go try them on for size. Campus Bookmart. .net is your online shopping destination. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. 
And that'll get you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks, any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And our friend Pam Minyard, now working there now. How about that? Pam Minyard. The, the, the good get better, right? All right, let's take a look around the league, see how the weekend went. Perhaps you know by now. But sometimes we get busy, right? Let's take a look here. The SEC weekend didn't necessarily go absolutely according to script. But for the most part, it was pretty easy to pick. I think Vanderbilt to come through a wrench of some things. But uh, Auburn blast Alabama State, 62-0. Alabama, excuse me, Auburn fans in their, in their feelings on Twitter. They scored some big numbers these last few weeks. They haven't played anybody yet, but they put up some big numbers. The team has some confidence. And, um, you know, they're playing pretty well defensively. But, again, they have played nobody. South Carolina battles back after getting behind 14-0 to beat East Carolina on the road, 20-17. So, South Carolina Gamecocks, 2-0 now under Shane Beamer. Pittsburgh does go into Knoxville and beat Tennessee, as we talked about on the show last week, 41-34. Good game. The thing about Tennessee is, is uh, the, the Milton, the quarterback, I, I don't know if they're just asking him to do things that he can't do. He cannot connect on those deep shots. I think he, you know, he is basically kind of a – a Chris Ralph type. I think he's a guy that needs the run pass option. I think you got to let him get outside, let him create a little bit. But Josh Heupel will figure it out. But uh, that Tennessee defense, uh, not much, not much. And you know, when you saw Tennessee struggle against you know Bowling Green, you knew that uh, there are probably going to be some difficulties ahead, and, and this is one of them. Uh, Florida, 42-20 winners over a, a pretty bad South Florida team. Congratulations to the Bulls for finally scoring. Uh, Georgia. Jumps all over UAB, 56-7. Thought that UAB might hang in there for a little while. They didn't give George a lot of credit. They, those guys are bouncing back. And, uh, the, again, this is a chance to be a special year for Georgia. a and I told you guys on the show that I almost picked the upset here. And, and they almost, Colorado almost did it. Now, little did we know that A&M was going to have to play their backup quarterback most of the game, so let's be fair about that. But, hey, listen, A&M is overrated at number five. They are, and it's just a matter of time you know, before they start losing ball games. I mean, I, I think they're probably an 8-4, 9-3 type team. You know, could be a little bit better if they get a little luck somewhere, but I think they're so pedestrian offensively. Uh, and not just because of the quarterback situation. I, I just – I don't – they got to get Spiller more involved. And I don't know how you, how you fix that. But Colorado plays tough, and uh, good on you, Colorado, for hanging in there. Alabama spanks Mercer 48-14. No real surprise there. Uh, Arkansas beats Texas. That that was a surprise to me. I wasn't surprised that Arkansas would play tough, but they blasted Texas, forty to twenty-one. Got up early. Texas tried to make a game of it. And Arkansas was like, nope. And Arkansas ran all over them. Of course, State beats NC State twenty-four ten. Ole Miss fifty-four seventeen winners over Austin P. Not even really worthy of discussion. We're all going to have that FCS game. Ole Miss takes care of business as they should. Be interesting to see what happens this weekend with Ole Miss and Tulane. I think Ole Miss wins the ball game, but uh, I think Tulane's a team that can score. All right, Kentucky beats Mizzou. I had it picked the other way. Kentucky gets ahead early. Mizzou comes and makes a game late. Kentucky finds a way to hang on 35-28. I'm still not on the Kentucky bandwagon. Uh, LSU, 34-7 winners over McNeese. Uh, you know, listen, LSU probably needed a bigger margin here, but you know, a win's a win. They'll get um, Central Michigan this week. Interesting to see how that plays out. LSU should win, but I think Central Michigan plays a pretty physical brand of football, so we'll see how they run the football. 
And then, of course, in an upset, Vanderbilt goes on the road to beat Colorado State, last-second field goal there, and so they do it. So it was a pretty easy week to pick, but the toss-ups didn't all go our way. You know, Texas, Arkansas, uh, Mizzou, Kentucky went against us. But, um, you know, the Pitt, Tennessee, A&M, Colorado, and uh, South Carolina, East Carolina games, that, that works out well for us. But uh, that's the fun thing about it is, you know, that's why we play the games. Thought it was a good week for the SEC again. You know, a really good week for the SEC kind of figuring this thing out. I think the league is really good this year. Uh, I think, and I say good, I don't know if we have a lot of headliners outside of Alabama, Georgia, but I think you know the middle of the of the league is much better than it has been. I don't think there is the gap, let's say, from you know team ten to fourteen like there was, you know, maybe in the last decade or so. I think this is going to be a, a good year, and I think we've got a chance to be really good as a league uh, in the bowl season this year. All right, last segment of the show brought to you by Portico. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, Portico's where I'd go, and I mean that too. I absolutely like the place over there. I love the convenience of being close to campus and not so close to campus that I'm in the hustle and bustle. It's on the backside of campus. It's just across Old West Point Road, 1.1 miles from campus. Very easy to get to. You turn off 82 onto 12, like going to campus. The very first right will take you to Portico. That's how close it is. Close to 82, get out there on the bypass. You can get to Walmart, also to the neighborhood markets right there. You can get two-bedroom, two-bath homes, four-bedroom, four-bath homes. This is where the cool kids are moving. Many people have said, Steve, I'm thinking of retiring in Starkville. This is a great option. Steve, I'm looking to buy an investment property in Starkville. This is a great option. Steve, I'm looking to uh, just kind of have like a, a holiday retreat in a place I can go for ball games and not have to, you know, waste money on a hotel or whatever. Well, here you go. Everybody wants a place here in Starkville. It's the most magical place on earth. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call today. He can get you lined up. This is Phase one is finished. Uh, I think there's one house left. And then there are people already kind of looking at phase two. And uh, that construction, that, all that is kind of underway. So for more information, call our friend Brooks Bryan. He would never steer you wrong. Former Diamond Dog outfielder. Robbed a home run to send us to Omaha. You owe him a phone call, if nothing else, just to say, hey, Brooks, thanks for that. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. All right, let's jump into – you guys You guys have been so great, too. So many people have reached out about this segment of the show, offering ideas and you know, grandparents and uncles, and, and I'm going to do my best to get to all that. But since we're playing Memphis this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about – Memphis, And one of the most memorable games in the series between Mississippi State and Memphis happened uh, back in 1974. So just to give you a little series history, and we'll talk a little bit about this on Wednesday, Mississippi State is 33-11 all-time against Memphis, and we've won 12 in a row, dating back to 1994. And, of course, we hadn't played them in 10 years. But back in the 70s, Memphis was really good. Memphis, you know, we're in Alabama, but they were a team that consistently won games. So, you know, Fred Pancoast was the guy there, and uh, 73 was 8-3, and and then there were 7-4, and and then he left to go be the head coach at Vanderbilt. Richard Williamson takes over 7-4, 7-4, 6-5, then they started losing a little bit, and they fire him, and he takes over as a uh, Blue Bonnet bowl rep and eventually ends up coaching in the uh, National Football League. 
But Memphis, while they weren't a bowl team, Memphis was in many ways kind of like Southern Miss was to us. They were a rival school, more so with Ole Miss. But they were a team that uh, more times than not had guys from the area, people that our guys were familiar with, guys that they played in high school, they were recruited with and against. And so the 74 game was big. This is one where Mississippi State had put together a really good year. We had not won nine games in a season since the Alan McKean era ended. Bob Tyler came in, kind of changed things around. We had kind of lost our way for a while, and I think that was kind of the curse of Alan McKean. I don't think we handled that well. I think we paid the price for it. But Bob Tyler in 74 had the Bulldogs rolling. We opened the year with a 49-7 win against William and & Mary, and then we beat Georgia 38-14 in Jackson. That's right. That's right. And so 29-13, 29-13 losers at Florida, and then 21-16 winners against Kansas State, 37-21 at Lamar, and then 29-28 at Memphis State. And so that you look at that score, and it's not truly indicative of the game. So Mississippi State takes over at the two-yard line with just a couple minutes to play, and Bob Tower says that he knew Rocky was going to do it. He said he just knew it. He said Rocky just had the will to win. And, uh, and so it's exciting to go back and look at this in hindsight. But Mississippi State was up against it in the, in the shadows of their own goalpost, trying to figure a way to win this, win this ball game. And so Rocky leads us down 98 yards. Ran that option, kind of the split back veer concept. But Rocky was the guy that was making things happen. And you get down there at the end, we score – and we're down one. And rather than play for the tie, Tyler elects to go for two. And Rocky rolls right, breaks a tackle, slides underneath, and we get in and we take a 29-28 lead. It was under a minute to go. State hangs on to win. It's a ball game. A lot of people felt like we should have lost, but we do win the game. And uh, this, is, this was a Memphis team, too, that was pretty good. They went seven and four on the year. You know, seven, they, they, and they were really good at the time. They lost some games down the stretch, just to kind of put things in perspective for you. Uh, they lost at Louisville to open the year. Excuse me, they won at Louisville, and then they lose to Southern Miss, 6-0. They beat Ole Miss. They beat Colorado State. They beat Cincinnati. They lose to us. They beat North Texas. They beat Florida State, 42-14. to They lose at Tennessee. They lose at Houston, and then they finish the year with a win over Wichita State. So this wasn't, you know, a situation where they were just beating up on a lot of, quote, you know, FCS caliber teams. They were playing a really good schedule, and they were really good. And that game really kind of solidified Mississippi State in the middle of the season. A lot of people kind of took notice of that. And then we blast Louisville 56-7. We lose at Alabama, and then we lose at home to number 10 Auburn. So the only two games we lose that year, excuse me, three games, were at the Swamp at Alabama, and then Auburn, a number 10 Auburn team at our place. Then we beat OSU, Ole Miss, and then win the Sun Bowl out there in El Paso over to University of North Carolina. And uh, Rocky Falker, it was his senior year. He was a magician and uh, a guy that has loved Mississippi State and been a great ambassador for Mississippi State for many, many years. Uh, Had a chance to get to know Rocky over the last several years, and uh, you're really pleased with him. In many respects, this is a guy that's given his life to Mississippi State sports. Even though he left, his heart was always here. He's bounced around, came back, was our head coach for a while. He's been an assistant coach, worked in, behind the scenes as director of player personnel, 
works in with the Bulldog Club. He is true maroon. Rocky Falker is true maroon. And so a lot of times when you see the video before the game and you see Rocky rolling right, that's this game. You know, when they say, oh, you know, Falker rolls right and he's in for two. Jack Crystal says that. That's, this is the game they're referencing. It's that 74 game when Rocky led State on a 98-yard drive to win the game against Memphis. Hopefully, it won't require that this weekend. But we'll talk more about Memphis and more about the series, you know, on Wednesday. But, uh, again, very excited about uh, being 2-0 and and a chance to go 3-0. and And I think this is a game that State should win. I know the odds makers uh, have installed State as a favorite, as they should. And this Memphis defense is, is pretty porous. So, we'll see how things go. And it'll be interesting. This is Mississippi State's very first um, very first road game this year. So, you got to be able to lock in. You got to be able to lock in and get ready to go. So, um, so that's going to do it for today. Thank you guys so much for your support and your uh, patronage of the Boneyard all these years. So many great people have been involved to make this thing a reality. And um, it's amazing to me how the audience continues to grow. Like I said, I get these reports and you guys are doing a great job sharing the show with friends. I have people to message me and say, hey, I just started listening to your podcast about a month ago. Didn't know anything about it. A friend of mine told me, and now I'm hooked. And thank you for the support. And I, I really believe when you share the show with your friends, you're being the best friend they have. So if you don't mind, share it on social media. Uh, I would appreciate that. It's always great. And, again, you need to be pre-ordering your books, dogpiledabook.com. Uh, several hundred already sold. We expect to pre-sell, you know, a few thousand. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll roll out, you know, the book tour. And, again, limited dates this year because this is not like my other books that come out in September. So I want to thank you guys again so much. And uh, Hell State, you guys have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.